0: Thankful for her. I want to share a message with you this morning. Actually, God started uh, dealing with me several weeks ago about this topic, and um, you might call it the flip side to what we've been talking about leading up to Thanksgiving. Um, Man, you gotta pray for me this morning because uh, I feel like the Lord's just doing a, a work in my heart in this in a big way. And in all honesty, I I think uh, God's Word is just hitting me right between the eyes. Sometimes, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I've been serving the Lord, I've been growing in the Lord, thankfully, for 35 plus years, and yet sometimes I feel like God takes me back to the basics and says, guess what, you need a little more training, you need a little more growth. You need a little more focus in this area. Uh, yes, you should have gotten it long ago, but um, we're not going to let you get by with not dealing with this in your life. Anybody ever feel that way? I mean, sometimes I'm like, Lord, I feel like I'm starting all over. feel like I'm back to the basics, back to kindergarten. But God is faithful, right? He's faithful to continue to make us into the people He wants us to be. And I don't know about you, but that's my heart's desire. I want to be... Uh, who he's called me to be. I want to be a better reflection of Jesus, to this world around me. we've We've talked a couple of weeks ago about giving thanks to God in all things and giving thanks to God for all things. Maybe you remember that challenging message, right, for all of us that Really everything we need to be giving thanks for. Well, here's the flip side of that, right? If you and I are really leaning into and learning how to give thanks and yet on the, in, the, in the same breath, in the, in the same day, in the same hour even, we're turning around and complaining about things. We're undoing much of what we've just given thanks for. That complaining is a serious issue with God. And I feel it. I feel the weight of it this morning. I, uh, I, I hope you're ready because uh, we're going to go to God's word and we're going to look at uh, what he has to say about this issue today. Would you, would you pray with me? Lord, speak to our hearts today. I, I don't even know that I, that I know how to communicate this, but God, please help me. You can bring forth your heart today, and Lord, sometimes there's those things in your word that just so collide with the way that maybe we're, we're really used to living if we'll be real honest, that sometimes it, uh, it feels really unsettling, and yet you're doing something of your transforming work in us that's, we welcome, we, we welcome that, we want that. So God, have your way in us today. May we not only be a people of praise and thanks in all things and for all things, but may you check us every time we give in to that habitual nature of complaining that is so grievous to your heart. May we recognize it, may we see it, may we sense it, may you bring it to our attention. Lord, you want us to live in such a way that we reflect you to the world. So, God, do your work in us today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You guys ready for the ride this morning? And hey, let's start with a couple of fun things real quick, okay? Some, I know it's after Thanksgiving, so you guys had a good Thanksgiving, yes? Amen? How, here's, here's a couple of Thanksgiving trivia questions, just, just to see how much you actually knew about Thanksgiving, okay? I know it's after, but hey. How long was that first Thanksgiving celebration? Anybody know? Three days. Three days, right? What meats were served at that first Thanksgiving? Anybody know? Not turkey, actually. Venison, swan, duck, and goose. Anybody have a goose this, uh, <laughs> or a swan this, uh, this Thanksgiving? Seafood, too, was served at the first Thanksgiving feast. Lobster, oysters, fish. And possibly eel. Anybody have eel this Thanksgiving? Anybody enjoy a little bit of a little bit of uh, cordon bleu eel? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who was the first president to pardon a turkey? Anybody know? J.F.K. J.F.K. Here's a good one for you. Okay, how many calories, on average, are consumed per person at Thanksgiving dinner? Somebody said, don't want to know that one? Just don't even want, no, don't, don't want to know. <laughs> 4,500. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. 4,500 on average, exactly. So this morning, I'm calling our message today, What About Saints with Complaints? And uh, I'm raising my hand, I'm raising them both. <laughs> That would be me, Lord. That would be me, Lord. So we live in a society, quite honestly, where uh, we are discontented complainers. A society where people are uh, honestly seldom satisfied. We're the most indulged people on the face of the earth, and yet... uh, Statistics, even surveys, even tell us that we're increasingly unhappy. There's a thing out there called the World's Happiness Report. I don't know if you've seen it or heard about it, but it's a global collaborative report that comes out that ranks nations according to the respondents, uh, you know, the, answering all kinds of questions to, to determine how happy they are collectively. And according to the report, the first year it came out was 2012 in the United States in 2012 ranked 11th in the world since that time the most recent survey puts us another eight ranks down if you will the latter to the 19th position how is it this morning that we live in the most affluent nation on the earth and yet we're increasingly unhappy the nation that has even written in its charter, a declaration that we're going to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, and yet somehow that happiness is elusive. So here's a theory for you to toss about, think about with me this morning. It's just a theory, but I believe in a lot of ways, especially here in the American culture, the more that people have, the more they complain. Anybody ever notice that? The more you have, the more you're concerned about, the more you're worried about, the more you're anxious about, the more you're watchful, the more you, you know, you have to get storage sheds, you have to get cameras, you have to constantly keep an eye on it. The more you have, it seems like the more we are um, given to complaining. Complaining's not related, at least here in America, so much to a lack of necessities, but if you will, to an unrecognized abundance of blessing. People complain, right? And this is by no means an exhaustive list, okay? We could add to it. We could just keep on adding to it, right? We complain about our jobs. We complain about our houses. We complain about our friends. We complain about our spouses. We complain about our cars, We complain about our clothes. We complain about our food. We complain about the service at the restaurant. We complain about the prices and they're going up. We complain about gas and how expensive it is. We complain about the government. We complain about traffic. We complain about just about anything and everything you can imagine. And heaven forbid, sometimes we even complain about our churches. None of you, of course. None of you. Fall into that category, thank God. But we're a people given to complaining, and if the truth were known, there's few sins that are uglier to God than the sin of complaining. And this this season, I've been thankful for the season in a new kind of way. I. I've been saying I'm thankful for Thanksgiving because it reminds me of something so crucial and so important and something that ought to take hold of me and be a part of me all year long. So I'm thankful for Thanksgiving because it, it helps me, if you will, focus in on an issue that's big in my life spiritually, in my life growth-wise. It can help us recalibrate, if you will, our spiritual compass toward gratitude and toward praise and toward thanks toward God oftentimes mission trips are what do this for me in a very profound and powerful way around our table maybe you did this maybe you have some some customs that you that you do some some traditions i guess would be the better word around your thanksgiving table as you gather together with family we love to ask questions we'll you know generally ask that question what are you thankful for but We don't want to just stop there. We want to kind of go a little further and maybe delve a little deeper. And one of the questions we ask around our table this year is, what's the most valuable lesson that you've learned this year? What's the most valuable lesson you've learned this year? And Africa kind of provided for me two really powerful lessons this year. My first was in my trip to the Congo in April. One of the things I came away with was I just was blown away by the generosity of the people of the Congo. Most of us would say there's 193 countries in the world. The Congo's the 185th poorest. Or actually, yeah, it's, it's yeah. In other words, it's the fifth poorest country in the world. Um, the generosity blew me away. Then I go to Kenya um, in October and, What blew me away there was the deep and abiding, joy-filled, unshakable presence of Jesus in the hearts and the lives of people who've been rescued out of the most incredible poverty, who've gone through the incredible hardships, and yet their faith in the Lord is unshakable. We ask the question also around the table, who's the most grateful person that you know? Who's the most grateful person you know? I had to answer that one, by the way. I don't know if he's watching this morning, but I answered that with Pastor Burt. Love you, Pastor Burt. One of the most grateful people I know. Several years ago, most of you wouldn't know this, but Pastor Burt and Miss Carla went through a, a season where uh, they thought there was going to be a great blessing from a great tragedy that was coming into their lives and it didn't happen and um, I'll never forget I asked Pastor Bert what would you do? What did you guys do? And they were driving back home on a long long journey and uh, he said we just began to thank the Lord for all the good things in our lives that's just the way I've seen him live his life again and again now we ask the question how do you stay focused on gratitude throughout the year? And this this message I, I read a I read a, a, a quote a few weeks ago and I've been teaching in my Bible class about uh, Moses and the children of Israel and coming out of the out of Egypt and parting the Red Sea and all those things. And, and this morning, I, I want us to look at as a metaphor the children of Israel. And I want us to talk about this issue of complaining. Because it's hard to give thanks in everything and for everything when in the next breath you're complaining about first world problems and all kinds of other things. And here's the commandment of the Lord. Okay, And I want to give, um, give you some thoughts today on this whole issue. The command of the Lord... Is against complaining, right? Philippians two fourteen says this: Do everything without complaining or arguing. Would you just read it with me and say it with me this morning? Do everything without complaining or arguing. That Greek word for complaining is the is the word gungozmas. It's kind of a uh, uh, it's kind of one of those words that kind of sounds like it means right. Complaining, gongosmas. Don't don't complain, gongosmas. Fourteen times it's used in the New Testament. Maybe just maybe there's a little bit of a challenge with the interpretation of this word into English, the transliteration, right? Because eleven times it's used not for verbal complaining, but it's used for evil thinking. You might just say that it has, it has to do with go, what's going on inside us even more than what maybe is coming out from us. You might not even say it, but you might be like me. Sometimes you're a complainer or a grumbler on the inside. Sometimes that dissatisfaction is coursing through your brain and you're complaining on the inside. If People get hear your thoughts. Paul says, and he makes it really clear, right? It's, this isn't just a suggestion. He says, do everything without complaining or without evil thinking. Stop complaining about your circumstances. Stop complaining about your family. Stop complaining about your finances. Just stop. I don't know about you, but sometimes I come across Scripture like this and I'm like, God, I can't do it. I, I just, I'm, I'm helpless to be able to do that without your help. You do realize, right, that's what the Christian life is about. You and I can't live this out without the power and the help and the presence of God in our lives. How many things does Scripture say that you and I are supposed to embrace fully and live out completely that, quite honestly, we cannot do on our best day? Jesus says things like, don't worry. How many of you found that a little tricky? Don't be anxious for anything. How many of you have failed on that one a few times? Without God's power, without God's presence, you and I can't do it. But I'm telling you this, if we'll lean into the things God's saying and say, okay, God, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to your word. Take me back to kindergarten. Teach me this afresh and anew because I want to look more like you. And you got to help me, God, because some of this stuff is just like habitual, and I need to get past it and over it if I'm going to reflect you to the world around me. It's a clear command in Scripture. I don't know about you, but I need clear. I'm pretty simple. I need clear. Sometimes I have to say to my precious wife, just summarize it for me, okay? Just kind of give me the bullet points, baby. (laughs) She's talking, and I'm going, I'm lost. And I'm like, help me. Kind of see through it all. I like it when God is clear. And he's clear to me. He's hitting me right in the, between the eyes. Stop complaining if you're going to be a thankful person and a grateful person. And I don't know about you, maybe this is hitting you too, or maybe it will as we get into it. But maybe, just maybe you can help me and maybe I can help you. Because believe me, I'm not pointing the finger at you. I know I got three fingers pointing right back at me. a tough issue why is it why is it that Paul speaking on behalf of God's breath says do everything without complaining or arguing here's why look at it so that so that you may become blameless and pure Children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. I don't know about you, but that just undoes me. I mean, did you get this? Complaining affects our holiness. By the way, that's one of those things you don't hear much about in church anymore holiness. It's pretty important to God. Without holiness, (laughs) you you won't see God. Do we desire to be holy? Do we desire to, to be like Him, to be blameless? It affects your purity. It's almost like complaining, if you will, is a gateway sin for other things just to come into your life. It kind of opens the door that will lead you down a sinful path so that you become more and more like this warped or crooked, the, the word there literally means bent, generation that we're living among. And by the way, it's almost impossible to be a witness of the wonderful Christian life if you're a person giving to complaining I mean it's like going to a restaurant and com- criticizing your waiter or your waitress for the job they're doing and then turning around and trying to be a witness to them it doesn't work it's incongruent I just want you to stop this morning with me just think with me this this question that's on my heart is you know have you thought through have, have I thought through the impact that complaining is having on my life. Sometimes counselors will even tell you, you know, hey, get it out. You know, it's good to let steam off. I mean, just get it off your chest. Sometimes we think complaining is is a positive thing, but God sees it really differently. I want to give you seven consequences of complaining today seven reasons I think God's so serious about this and that this sin is so ugly in his sight the first one is simply this complaining can become a way of life and I think for some of us it has and we just need a fresh look at it there's there's almost if you will an addictive aspect to complaining have you ever found it's it's hard to break a lot of us, it's just the way almost our minds are wired. It's going to take some, some neuro rewiring, if you will. And thank God for neuroplasticity. Have you heard of that term? Your brain can change. You start doing things differently, your brain can change. I mean, if we're honest, some of us, complaining is the soundtrack of our lives. I mean, come on, folks, you can say amen or oh me, but come on, I'm preaching better than you're amen right now. I mean, I'm saying a lot of oh me's here this morning because it's, it's, this is pointed right at me. I know. I, I feel it. I sense it. Sometimes, you know, they'll say the best sermons are those that God's freshly working on your life. This is one for me today for sure. For some of us, if we stop complaining, we'd have nothing left to say. How you doing? Yeah, okay. What's going on? I don't have much to say. It'd be like a verbal fast, you know? Maybe that's what needs to happen for the 21 days so that God can rewire those, those brain wires. Think about this. If you had a jar and every time you were caught complaining, you had to put a dollar into the jar... Let me just say, some of us would be going on the vacation of a lifetime real soon. You know what I'm saying? Maybe by the end of January, that thing would be a stockpile. It just it becomes habitual. Complaining does you you can see it in scripture, the people of Israel, the you know, this is such a metaphor of the Christian life. They they've been rescued out of slavery. They've been been redeemed from the land of Egypt. They're they're being brought into the promised land. And what happens? They start complaining. And once they start complaining, they have a hard time stopping it. It's the same with you and I. When we start complaining, we have a hard time pulling it back in. Look at this. And this is just kind of a short overview, right? There's more. But I just want to kind of... Pointed out to you, Exodus 15, 24. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we gonna drink? They demanded. Exodus 16, 2. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. 16:9. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he's heard your complaining. Exodus 17:2. So once more the people complained against Moses. Uh, numbers 11, 1, soon the people began to, say it with me, complain about their hardship. Numbers 11.4, and the people of Israel also began to what? Complain. Numbers 14.2, they did what? They complained. Numbers 14.27, the Lord said, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Once you start, it's hard to stop because complaining becomes, if you will, almost like it's what colors the way we see the world. It's almost like wearing those rose-colored glasses. We begin to see everything through a critical complaining viewpoint and perspective and through eyes that see things that way. And it's really revealing, if you will, what's in our hearts Second, complaining, it distorts our view of reality. Exodus 16, 2, it says, There too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moan. And listen to this, listen to this, would you? There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. And now you've brought us out into this wilderness to starve us all to death. I mean, listen to this. Complaining distorts reality. We sat around pots. Filled with meat. We ate all the bread. It sounds like they're at an all-inclusive resort, doesn't it? But they were slaves. They weren't eating everything they wanted. They were deprived, and they were tortured, and they were treated cruelly by the Egyptians. I played for my high school uh, class the other day the song from Keith Green, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt? I love that song, man. You should check it out if you haven't heard it lately. It'll, it'll convict you. I mean, the situation was so horrible, right? Back in Egypt. The male children were slaughtered. Quotas were set for making a certain number of bricks. You know, things were taking away to make that even more difficult. And if you didn't meet the quota, you were beaten. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because complaining, it distorts our view of reality. When you complain, you tend to look at the past in a way that's not accurate. You tend to see the future in a way that's not accurate. And in all honesty, you ruin the present through your complaining. Third thing, complaining questions God's care for us in his plan for our lives. Exodus 16, 7 and 8, in the morning you'll see the glory of the Lord because he's heard your complaints which are against him, not us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning for he's heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, our complaints are against the Lord Not against us. I read a quote just the other day. It's what started this whole thought in my heart and brought conviction in my own life. I I just read a a quote the other day. It said, you know, when you complain, (laughs) it really goes back to complaining about God, about being dissatisfied with God. Do we sometimes think we know better than God himself? We we love to talk about him being a good, good father. He is good, but do we not trust his goodness? Charles Spurgeon says it like this, as long as a man is alive and out of hell, he cannot have any cause to complain. Joyce Meyer, I love good old Joyce Meyer. She said, many believers are Sunday warriors and Monday whiners. Exodus 16, 9 and 10, it says this, Then Moses said to Aaron, Announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he's heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in a cloud. Why does God do that? Well, when we see his glory, his majesty, his goodness, it it gives us the opportunity, if you will, to reset our hearts. I don't know about you, but things become incredibly clear to me when I get in God's presence. In God's presence, my heart is revealed. Those areas of my life that need transformation are brought to the surface. They're, they're, They're made clear to me. We complain when we've forgotten God. Fourth, complaining focuses on what God isn't doing instead of what God is doing. talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? John Piper said, at any given time in your life, God's doing 100,000 different things, and you might see two or three of them. This is a critical issue because a a critical spirit will lead to unbelief in your life. Numbers 11, verse 4, it says, Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. But now all we ever see is this manna. Who are, these, who are these foreign rabble that Scripture talks about? Well, you know, if you go back and you look at the story, the Egyptians and others from other nations who saw what God did through the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, some of them tagged along and came along with the people of God. But they're not really the people of God. They're kind of those that, you know, they're, they, they, they're kind of the fans, right? They've kind of seen what's happened, but they've not really entered in. They know enough to get your attention, but not enough to help you discern, if you will, God in your situation. These are the kind of people, if you're not careful, okay, they'll get you to question God in your life. And it's interesting in this passage, first the people who don't know God complain. Then the people of God begin to complain. Who you met? Who you hang out with, who you hang around with, it will influence and affect you. Somebody said this, that you are the amalgamation of the five people you're closest to. You're going to be like them. You're going to take on traits. You're going you're to you're mimic them in some ways, even if you don't think you will. They complained about the manna. Can we just stop for a minute and talk about manna? Last week, last week, Byron and Jen brought a whole bunch of Krispy creams. Thank you, Byron and Jen. Love you all very much. Not just for the Krispy creams, but man, what a blessing. Anybody here kind of a big fan of Krispy creams, especially when they're hot? Anybody go by looking for the hot sign, just feeling like that's a sign from the Lord that you need to pull in? I mean, <laughs> you know. I'd already had one donut last week. That was one over my, you know, my diet. But they came in with those Krispy Kremes. I had to dive in for a second. Picked up that fresh Krispy Kreme. I'm eating it. And Byron says this. He says, it's like eating a baby angel. (laughs) I never quite thought of it that way, Byron. But... i want you to think about manna for a minute right the scripture describes it it's like a it's like a pastry with honey on it it's essentially if you will a crispy cream you get to go out every day and pick up as many as you want the hot sign is on come out of your tents get all the crispy creams you want can you imagine I mean, and evidently, you know, it was full of good, you know, good vitamins and minerals. I don't know. It's from God, right? It's got to be healthy for you somehow, and yet it tastes like a pastry. I mean, man, how could you complain about that? You know, we're out here in the desert, and we're living on an unlimited supply of Krispy creams. Psalm 78, verse 18. Look at this. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. See, we put God to the test when we complain about what He has provided or what we think He won't do. Be careful, folks. Don't listen to the wrong people and don't listen to the wrong thoughts. Psalm 78 goes on, they even spoke against God himself saying, God, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Do you see distortion of thinking going on here? Do you see, sometimes our thoughts get crazy, don't they? God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he can strike a rock so water gushes out. But he can't give his people bread and meat. I mean, you, you realize, right, the striking of the rock. I mean, this, this, is, <laughs> this is no small miracle. Moses takes that staff, strikes a rock. Water gushes out enough to water, if you will, to hydrate two million people. This isn't a small little thing. This isn't a trickle coming out. This is a gush of water coming out. And yet, look, look at their, their thinking. Look at their, the distortion of their thoughts. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Oh, you know, he can't give us food in the wilderness. Ah, yeah, he can strike a rock, but hey, that's no big deal. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. See, when we complain, we we don't even realize it, right? We don't stop to think about it. But it diminishes God in our lives. Even when he has done mighty things, It's unbelief creeping in, taking over, and it limits God. Because God always wants to do two things in your life. He wants to show you His goodness and demonstrate His power. Fifth complaining fosters unbelief. Numbers 13, it says, but the other men who'd explored the land with Him disagreed. This is when the spies are sent into the land, right, to spy out the, the promised land. Twelve spies, among them Joshua and Caleb. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Two say, yes, we can. Ten say, no, we can't. And complained. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes when we complain, sometimes our complaints are bent toward the leaders in our lives, right? If we just had the right leader. I mean, let's think about this for a minute, right? In all of these examples I'm giving you from, from Exodus, from, from, from the children of Israel, Moses has been their leader. He's been used so powerfully. He's spent so much time in God's presence that literally he radiated and glowed with the very presence of God. But do you get what's going on here? I want you to get this this morning. Even Moses Can't overcome the unbelief of just 10 people. Numbers 14, it says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? You know another thing complaining does? It exaggerates the negative. It exaggerates the worst. In fact, it even creates it. Do you see that in the text? Why is the Lord taking us here to die in battle? What? That wasn't God's plan. Our wives and our little ones are going to be carried off. Who said that? Not God. Unbelief. When you begin to question God's wisdom and God's goodness in your life, unbelief just creeps in and begins little by little to take over in your life. In fact, it leads to this. Complaining gives voice to demonic wisdom. Do you know there's a type of wisdom Scripture describes as demonic wisdom? Numbers chapter 14, why is the Lord taking us only to have us die? Or why is our little ones going to be carried off? Wouldn't it have been better? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader. And let's go back to Egypt. Where did all this come from? Is this God's wisdom? Is this God's leading? Certainly not. This is, if, if you will, it's demonic stuff. Sometimes the thoughts that are going through our heads are, are put there by the enemy. James 3.15 says it like this, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. There's a wisdom that's demonic. It's called wisdom, by the way, because you'll have reasons for it. (laughs) You give some examples, right? Why are you so angry? Because he did this to me. And he did this, and he did this, and and he deserves it. And I'm justified in my anger. I can't believe he did that. After all I've done for him, I've got good reason to be angry. I've got good reason to want to get even, to want to retaliate, to want to see something happen, not good, in that person's life. See, complaining gives the devil an opportunity to work in your life If praise, we talk about this, right? If praise brings God into the room. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. If praise brings God into the room. Who do you think shows up when you and I start complaining? Think that invites God in? Certainly not, but it does invite the enemy in. Seventh, lastly, complaining gives voice to things that diminish our future. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Woo! We used to say that they're getting their just desserts, right? They've made their bed, now they're going to lie in it. Remember that old saying? You will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who's 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die you'll not enter or occupy the land i swore to give you the only exceptions oh there's a couple exceptions isn't this interesting the only exceptions caleb son of jephunneh and joshua son of Nun. by the way here's a little bible trivia who's the only guy in the bible who had no parents Joshua, he was the son of none. But anyway. They created their future and their present reality. In other words, folks, one of the reasons this is such a big deal to God is because words have power. For better or for worse in our lives. You know the passage. You know this first one for sure. Proverbs 18, 21. Power the tongue has the power of life and death. We bring life through praise. We bring life through thanksgiving. We bring life through speaking words of edification, building others up, saying positive things, encouraging others, calling out the gifts of God in others. We bring life, but we bring death through complaining. I don't know if you've seen this one, Proverbs twelve thirteen. What a powerful passage. An evil man is trapped By a sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. How does he do that? From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands reward him. This is a big issue, folks. What do we do? What do we do? I'm asking God just to make it clear every time I complain. Just to highlight it to me, to show me, to help me see it, to help me get rid of it, to help me uproot it. Three things quickly this morning. Course correction from, from this habitual thing of complaining. And some of us, it's just the way we've grown up. It's the way our brains have been wired. It's, it's been a habit, and, and it's going to take a little while to undo it. But first, we've got to recognize the damage that complaining is doing in our life. And then we've got to repent of that complaining. Can I just say it's a sin and for some of us it's, it has to do with a lordship problem in our lives. There's areas of our life if we're complaining. There's areas of our life that are not fully submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ or we wouldn't be complaining about them. And then third we've got to reshape our response to life. He's a good, good father. We can trust him. He knows how to provide what we actually need. Well, that brings me back to where we started two weeks ago. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm giving thanks in all circumstances that I'm sure not complaining, am I? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me for a moment? Holy Spirit of God, what are you speaking to our hearts today? I feel like you've really been speaking to me on this issue and I, I believe probably some others here in the room. Lord, make our hearts tender and receptive to you. Sometimes I think about, Lord, if if I was really living out what your word says, boy, oh boy, I'd really look quite different from this world around me. And that's the way it's supposed to be. God, help me to continue to allow you to do that fine-tuning and that work in my heart that needs to be done. God, work in each of our hearts. Point out to us, Lord. Those places and times where it's almost like we its we don't even recognize it. We don't realize it. It's so common. We just complain and complain and complain about so many things. And when we're doing that, Lord, we're, we're ultimately complaining against you. Forgive us, God. Forgive us, God. Break that off of us. May we truly be a people of praise, a people of thanks of people with grateful hearts in all things and for all things in Jesus' name would you stand with me today can you give the lord praise was that a-